dudes. What is up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast from LaFouchegazette.com. Recording on this beautiful... Heck, who am I kidding? It's hot as hell. On this hot as hell Monday, at the beginning of summer, June the 7th, we've got a jam-packed show coming your way. Um, I'm going to talk a bunch of sports at the bottom of the show of which there is a lot to talk about. We've got some LSU baseball to talk about. The Tigers are one win away from perhaps going to a Super Regional. That's fun. We've got some NBA playoffs to talk about. We've got uh, Floyd Mayweather fighting a YouTuber to talk about. Um, All sorts of things that are going on that we're going to break down at the bottom of the show here on Casey's Corner. Uh, But we also have a wonderful very candid, very fun interview today. That is going to be our interview segment on the podcast. It is with longtime, I want to say 10-term Lafouche Parish Councilman Daniel Lorraine, um, a side of Mr. Lorraine that folks don't often see. He was very candid, very open, uh, spoke to us about some of the things he's most proud of, some of the things he's enjoyed the most from his time as a councilman, some of his plans for the future. But more important than that, just kind of let go and kind of learned a little bit about the guy. Um, asked him about his hobbies. Asked him the story of his infamous red coat. Asked him, uh, you know, why he decided to run for councilman in the first place. What are some of the things he believes have allowed him to succeed as a councilman? And then he also gave an answer that I thought was pretty good about um, uh, keeping our smart young Lafouche Parish people here in the parish, which is a problem. Uh, We're losing a lot of people. Losing a lot of people down the Baya who are moving further up the Baya. We're losing a lot of people further up the Baya to Lafayette, to Lake Charles, to the North Shore, wherever it may be. So he gave, I thought, a pretty thoughtful answer on, you know, how we could keep some of our smart and intelligent minds at home. So looking forward to today's show. Usually we would have two guests on the phone lines, but today Mr. Lorraine ran long. He uh, went for 30 minutes or so. So we're going to keep it to the just one. And then we're going to talk about some sports and a wonderful episode that we're looking forward to very, very much. So let's go ahead and catch a quick break. When we get back, we are going to head on out to the beautiful South Lafouche Library, where we'll chat with Councilman Daniel Lorraine. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LafoucheGazette.com. We'll be right back with Councilman Lorraine out of this break on LafoucheGazette.com. And while we've got this little bit of a pause, I want to remind you guys that the Lafouche Gazette is the place to find local news. It's the place to find local sports. It's the place to find anything that's happening in our community. Uh, We've got things happening daily. On Monday, we've got Back in the Day presented by Golden Motors. On Wednesday, we've got Way Back Wednesday where we take a yearbook from our years past and we spotlight all the familiar faces and all the familiar places. Our Player of the Week comes out on Thursday. Over the weekend, we've got our Weekend Warriors, and we've got so much going on. It's LaFoucheGazette.com. Our viewership numbers are through the roof. We're looking at a May where we're going to have 1.5 million page views. Thank you all, LaFouche, so much for buying in. Everything is happening at LaFoucheGazette.com. Please go there today and subscribe and get our app and everything in between. Thank you so much for the support. I came to I play. Came to play. There's a price to pay. Time for you to get down on your knees. I pray. came to you play. Say goodbye to the good old days. They're never coming back. Watch a few I came to I play. Came to play. 
It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LafoucheGazette.com. Recording today live from the beautiful South Lafouche Library. Joining us today, longtime Lafouche Parish Councilman, Mr. Daniel Lorraine. Mr. Lorraine, how are you today? Oh, we're doing fine. We are uh, feeling good, and uh, all our uh, doctor's appointments, things have been coming out pretty good. You know, we've been chatting here uh, for the last, heck, probably about 30 minutes or so now, just getting a, a feel for some of the things going on in the parish. What are some of the things that, that you're seeing in your district, and what are some of the things that, that you're, uh, you're looking at right now in, in terms of being a councilman? Well, right now, what, what we're really looking at uh, uh, with the Greater Lafouche Port Commission, the, the next biggest project that's getting ready to hit is the new bridge and the uh, corridor, airport corridor which uh, the parish and the port and the state and the federal government's involved. They did all the uh, getting the money from the federal government. The port did that. But uh, we, were, uh, we helped out with the state and with them and, and with the parish. So that's, that's going to be a big project. It's getting ready to get started. They are handling it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know who's going to maintain it after it's all said and done, which will probably be about two and a half, three years by the time they get the bridge done and, and the road and all. And uh, it's going to be maintained by the parish. and uh, No problem. And uh, we work real good together with the port. You know, and, and I'll give you another instance on the boat launches. The Leeville boat launch was, uh, was built by the Wall of Brew Fund, half a million, the parish half a million, the port gave 250, mm-hmm. and that's how we got the boat launch built. And then when we came for the fishing pier, the parish put up 166, another 166. I got the port to put up 166, and the uh, tourist commission put up about 43. So that's how that got built. And uh, you know, the port is does a lot of things at at the port. But if you go talk to them and you need a little recreation project somewhere, they they'll help you. It's all local guys, and uh, we're getting ready to start a little uh, paving project. You know, blacktop, which. Uh, Road sales tax too. That's very popular in the parish. You know they like to they like to to dig into that. And uh, <laughs> the problem I got with digging into it is it's fine. It, there's a boundary, point A to point B. That's fine. But taking it out the area, that's not fine with low rain. I can tell you that. That ain't gonna fly. But uh, overall. We, the people have done that. That's how we got all our bridges fixed. That's how we got all our roads done. And it was a 10-year tax for a penny. When we did that in 1997, we started doing work in 1998. And in 208, we renewed it from a penny to half a penny. And we brought in the town of Golometa. So that's how the people of Golometa got their roads fixed. We must have spent about six, seven million dollars at that time. And uh, we dig ditches, basically. Our fall canals, uh, they're doing one right now on West 159 to the back. Uh, we did a little 308 project. Getting the state to do something on the highways, it's, it's almost like an act of Congress trying to get a Republican to vote for a Democrat or a Democrat to vote for a Republican. <laughs> it, it, it's just, you know, but we get our permit from the state and we're able to do some of these little projects which help out the people a lot, you know. And there's a lot more that needs to be done, but. We do it, the way I do it is as you call me, as I record it, as I turn it in, I keep copies of everything, and that's how we do it. Now, if there's an emergency somewhere, we'll drop everything we do in wherever and go address it. But overall, that's basically how we do it. And uh, talking to Casey earlier, 
trash piles. That's that. You know, as you pick up one, they put two out. But right. it's nonstop. But we, you know, just have a little patience and, and, and we'll get it done. I mean, you can't do everything overnight. I've seen get some projects done quick. I've seen take a while. And I've seen it take a long time. But I never quit. That's I right. just stay on top of it. That's why I tell you, when I turn something in, I got to copy it. I was showing them some of them uh, certificates I got right there. That I got 10 of them. And... Uh, Every four years, if you if you win, you get one from the governor, you know, uh, from the state of Louisiana, whoever the governor signs it. In fact, I even got all my old posters of every election <laughs> but one. And in the old days, people used to vote plenty, you know, heavy. And if, if you look at the tallies, in the old days, they didn't vote early. It was absentee at that time. And uh, not too many went and do that, but now that's where it's at. Yeah. Early voting is where it's at. So that's a great segue into the next question I was going to ask you, uh, Councilman Lorraine, is that when uh, you've done this now for decades and when you were a younger man and you were deciding you wanted to get into this, talk us through that story, how that all came about. How did Daniel Lorraine say, I want to serve my parish? How did that start? Really, uh, to be honest with you, I used to crap behind Yankee Canal and all. You, in, in them days, you can go anywhere you want. <laughs> right. You know, any canal you want, anywhere. now everything's leased out now. And they were putting that levee. And that kind of uh, upset me, you know, and they were blocking canals and uh, all kind of stuff. And uh, I said, man, I begged them to put a gate, a gate where you could pass a, a decent sized boat to go to, but that never happened. And I could remember having meetings with congressmen, tools, and all kind of people. Uh, Harry Connick, mm -hmm. the attorney general, I mean, all kind of people. But you know what? They got away with it, and it spread. And uh, now most of the people that were involved at that time, they're all gone. So guess who's got to live with it now? We got to live with it. And the younger people, because... In the old days, you can just jump in your boat and go wherever you wanted. Now it's not like that anymore, you know. And they blocked off a lot of these canals, and you can go right through the marsh now yeah. with all the erosion and all they got, you know. And uh, but that's just the way it goes. And and, and, and that's what decided to make me run. Your first race was against whom? And uh, and I guess the, the piggyback to that is, did you think that you would win? To be honest with you, I was only 30 years old. Yeah. I, I knew some people, not compared to what I know today, but my family, overall, they were all shrimpers. My grandpa was a taxi cab driver, and uh, we were people, not a big family, well-known people in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think that helped me out a lot. I, I, I went door to door. Um, young man, 30 years old, and uh, I worked real hard, and I, I thought I had a shot at it, but um, I was able to defeat Mr. Ora Sheremy, who, good man, good guy, and Mr. Junis Dewey, who's deceased now. That was a good old man. That was one of my partners. We were all friends. It just so happened that's just the way it goes, you know, and uh, I won in the first round. And I was able to carry that tradition until I met with Mr. Perry Gisclair, who happens to be deceased. 
he uh, ran him, myself, and Rod Toops and went to a second race. And then I was able to carry that one by 179 volts, I think. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he, he's the only one that ever took me to a second round. And I don't know how I do it, but I do it. Uh, uh, I stay involved with the community. I did a lot of auctioning when I was young. Uh, I did plenty of things. I mean, look at the Memorial District. Your uncle, yeah. Mr. Linton Ducey, the founder of the Veterans Memorial District, uh, he confined me and Daryl, and we took it from there, and we took it to the council, and we put it on the ballot, and the people supported it, and look what you got now. Beautiful, beautiful memorial district. And one thing that people don't realize with that is that they have a couple of a couple of vans that they take all these veterans yeah. that are sick to the hospital or to the doctor. It's a great thing. You know, they might take them to Texas, they might take them to Mississippi, they take them to New York, wherever they need to go. People don't see that part. Yeah. And uh, they meet once a month. I make just about all their meetings. I attend their meetings. I attend the, most of the Levitt District meetings, the Town of Golden Meadow meetings, the hospital meetings, the Port Commission meetings. And the reason why I attend all these meetings is because I have time to do it. And uh, it helps me out by sitting there listening to see what, what they're discussing because sometimes somebody in the public asks me a question and I can answer it because I heard what they were discussing. Sure. So that, that helps me out a lot, you know. And I don't miss too many council meetings, only when I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. D did, did 30 year old Daniel, who had just won election, did you ever see 10 terms at that time? I'm sure probably not, huh? No, <laughs> no, but I, I'll never forget what my daddy told me. Unfortunately, my dad died before I got elected. And uh, we were having a discussion and he told me I'd win. But golly, what he didn't tell me is I'd be in for life. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's, it's a matter of doing your job. You know, I met so many people. I enjoy doing this. It, 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 I do it like a job, like a secondary job. Well, now it's basically my official job because I'm retired now. But I, I, I help whoever I can. I, I, listen, I can't do everything. But you know what? I could try. Sure. And that I have done. You know, and I, and I stay in touch with people. I let them know what's going on. And I, one thing that I really think has helped me over the years is by helping people that don't live in my district. I mean, if somebody calls me, what am I supposed to tell them? I can't help them. You're not gonna hear that from me. And uh, so I think that's a big factor. And really, you know, things change so much. I could remember the budget, you know, hardly nothing. I could remember putting reef shells in potholes. I could remember only got $10,000 a month of shells for the whole parish. And things got much better. We got all these roads fixed. I could remember people coming to a council meeting with a little bag of dust in a, in a plastic ziplock, throwing that in front of you, which you can't blame them, but there was no funding at that time to do it. Right. And I think one of the things that I was able to accomplish, spearheaded, was coming up with that road sales tax to district to fix the roads. And we did that for 10 years, and now we got a 20-year tax. 
And then the second round, we included Gola Meta. That's how Gola Meta got all their streets fixed. They're in the taxing. They're the only municipality that's in the taxing district in the parish. Lockport's not, and neither is Thibodeau. And that's basically how they got their streets fixed. And the, the best part about it, in uh, 1997, we passed that tax in November the 17th, I think it was, and uh, we started doing streets in 1998. And 10 years later, we included Gola Meadow, but the good news was we took it from a penny to half a penny. So we cut it in half. Yeah. And, and we included bridges, roads, and drainage in the second round. And that's how you still wouldn't have your bridges fixed today if we wouldn't have had the money in rural sales tax to the fix the bridge. Galliana Bridge would still be out. The Court Block Bridge would have never got fixed like it's fixed now. Of course, we should wish we would have had it wider, but that's the way it goes. And then the state actually says they're going to give us the McDonald Bridge, which they did. Parish took it. What do we have to do? Spend a half a million dollars to fix the grading. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why they gave it to us. You know? <laughs> and the same thing right here with the airport corridor and all. It's going to be maintained by the parish, the road and the bridge. So, you know, that's just, you can't tell them no. Yeah. You know, I mean, you need it. And uh, hopefully, I can tell you, the Galliana Bridge, believe this or not, I've been in office 38 years. And we changed the bottom twice. Wow. Not once, no, twice. Yeah. Looks good. Kind of keep it painted a little bit better than the state. And, uh, but it can't be, it can't last forever. <laughs> That's it's, right. It's, you know, it's, it's lasting longer than what I, I thought, but it, it's getting near. I mean, we had that mishap with about three years ago, uh, the, the ramp all caved in. Oh, yeah. We had to yeah, change yeah. that. That was, hey, that was half a million. Yeah, I'm telling you, we got about half a uh, five million dollars tied up in that bridge. Wow, you know, and uh, but that's what we're there for. And as far as uh, we're supposed to have another little drink, uh, road project coming, and we got this, and I think one of the big projects coming that that's more with the uh, the port and the uh, Henri Boule, uh I can't think of the. LA one, LA one coalition, yes, sir. This they're supposed to be opening the bids in October for from Golden Meadow to Leeville. That'll be huge. They have all the funding. They're supposed to be opening the bids in October. They're supposed to know who the contract is going to be awarded in December, and you should have some work started in March or April of next year. Okay. And that's going to be a big project. That's a six-year project, and the airport corridor. That's two and a half, three years. Okay, so let me ask you this, and you might have to think about this for a second. Is there a piece of legislation that, that you helped pass or that you you know created that you're most proud of? And then on the piggyback on top of that, is there anything that you voted for that you look back now and you say, ah, maybe that probably wasn't in the right thing to do? Well, as far as voting for, that's, I'd like to have about 10 things back <laughs> yeah. that I would probably change my mind, but it's like I told you earlier, is that uh, regardless of how you feel, I did it, and I got to be held accountable for it. And uh, but what I can tell what you, what are a few of those things? And uh, well, I don't, you know, people on boards. Yeah. You know, 
that that's one of the hottest issues is people that serve on boards you know sometimes when you replace them they get upset but they forgot how they got there right you know and, and i could understand that but um politics comes into that play i kind of you know i learned my lesson i did some things i did some things i shouldn't have maybe done politically but um Overall, I, t- I try to be as fair as I can. And one thing I can tell you, I ain't gonna lie to you. Now, one thing I can remember years ago when I first started, where these all companies, these small companies would have to come in, they had to put up a bond. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these little all companies didn't have money like that, but they all had like a, 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 a million dollar coverage, you know, for yes. insurance, liability. So we were able to use their insurance coverage instead of them putting up the million dollars. That, that was one thing I, I could remember doing good. I, I, and, and, and the thing that, that, I, that really got me was the sales tax, the uh, road sales tax too. That's how we got all the streets fixed. If this would be parish-wide, we still have some shell rules down here. Yeah. You know, sometimes they tell me I'm selfish. But, I mean, they can say what they want. I mean, I am what I am, and I, I do what I think needs to be done, and I want to be fair. I don't want it all. But give me a bone with some meat on it, not just a bone. Right. You know, and I just I just want to make sure we get our share. And that's where I stand. Now, there are term limits that have been passed in Lafourche, and you have the rest of this term and then two more. Talking to you earlier, if you know, Lord willing, and the voters agree, you're going to go all the way to the end. Oh, that, that's that's my I didn't I didn't come up with that already. You know that not this not this council, but the previous council. That's what they did. That's probably the only thing they did was pass term limits that I saw. You know, and uh, so the term limits started now. So you can serve a councilman can serve 12 years, starting now. With this term, a parish president can only serve two terms, mm-hmm. this term and another one. We can go three. My goal is to complete it if I get reelected by the voters. And uh, the bombshell, I tell my wife, I tell my wife all the time, I'm going to wake up a lot of people. That, you know, you know, a lot of people ask me to run for parish president. And, you know, I never really considered it because I like being a councilman and I know I could win for con- parish president. I'm not telling you I can win. I can tell you I'll get a lot of votes. But uh, if I run, I'm scared I'll win. You know? <laughs> you never know. Right. But uh, we'll see on the way out. If I can make my finish this term and I can go two more terms, and then nothing to lose on the way out. Yeah. You know? And I'll be 79. So if I would decide to do that, I could honestly say I'll be the oldest man in the parish to run for that seat. Okay. You know, and, and it's a thought, but I'm just hoping to be alive. Amen. By to then, that. Yeah. you know, I've been sick off and on, but I'm I'm doing better, and it, it's all in God's hands. It's whatever He wants. That's what it's gonna be. It's not what I want or you want or He wants. It's what He wants. That's what it's gonna be. You were telling me something on the telephone earlier that I thought was worth sharing is that 
we live in a political climate today where if one person believes this thing, they think that everybody who disagrees with them is their enemy. And I don't think that that's the way that the world should be. You said, hey, look, I've disagreed and I've voted against some things, but I don't take anything personally. And I thought that that was really admirable. That, yeah, I'll, that's maybe that's why I'm still there. You know, I, I, you get people get upset, but but they come around. It might take a while, you know, but I'm, you know, look, if somebody doesn't vote for you, and I don't care who you are, you're not gonna get all the votes. So let's say you know this person and you really don't know, we are just assuming he didn't vote for you. So you don't try to help him. See me, I'm just the opposite. If I don't think he voted for me and he asks me to uh, need some drainage, a ditch or something, I'm gonna take him like the guy that did vote for me. Of course, you don't know exactly if he didn't, you're mm -hmm. just assuming. So you go take care of him. So guess what's gonna happen next time? He'll probably support you. Sure. That's just the way it works. I, I don't hold grudges. I know not everybody likes me, but I already told the senior citizens, I made them laugh one time. I went in there, you know, and man, that's when they had a lot of them, you know. And uh, they said, uh, if this, this person don't like me, that's fine. Tell them I don't like him either. <laughs> and they all started laughing, you know. But I don't hold nothing personal in anybody, and, and I think that plays a big part. That, doing the job, calling back people, and addressing people that don't live in the district, you put all that together, and I think that goes a long ways. Yeah, Mr. Lane, I gotta tell you this, uh, a lot of folks, know you from your doggone red jacket. Tell us the story of your red jacket. Where did that come from? You really want to know where the Absolutely, red jacket came yeah. from? I got a brother-in-law that was working for Anthony Toops over there where Moran is at mm -hmm. right now. They were building the hotel and mm -hmm. all. And uh, Anthony was cleaning out his closet or something. They had a big pile of jackets on the floor in the pile. And my brother-in-law grabbed that red jacket and he said, Anthony, what you gonna do? He said, I'm throwing all that away. We said, can I have that red coat? He said, sure. So he brought it to me. Huh. Man, I tried that thing on, man, it fit me real good. So I decided to wear it to a council meeting. From that day, I became known as the guy with the red coat. <laughs> Nine out of 10 people will see me publicly and say, when you gonna wear your red coat? I usually wear it for Valentine's. I usually wear it for Christmas. But I'm gonna tell you the true story. The first time I wore it, they still had the tag and all on it. I didn't know. <laughs> they took the tag off at the council meeting. And I talked to Anthony about it because I know him personally. And he, he said he had bought that to go to a, a tournament in New Orleans or something, golf tournament and all, you know. And he never wore it. And that's how I got the red coat. Wow, okay, that's a very interesting story. I've got one more question for you. We're, I, I'm 33. And a lot of the people listening to this are going to be around that same age, a little younger, a little older. What do we got to do to keep the people my age living here? I still live here. I live in Cutoff. A lot of my classmates and stuff, they're moving to New Orleans. They're going to Thibodeau. What do we got to do to keep our young, smart people here in this area? Well, you know, what we depend on is the, the oil field, the port. The port is the hub of the parish. And... Uh, the people you have in the, uh, the federal government now, not not all of them, but most of the Democrats, 
they don't really believe much in drilling. Right. And 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 a lot of you people moves away where jobs are at. So, you know, you got all field down the bayou and up the bayou, all you 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 got farmers but but they subsidize for just about everything that they get. Sure. And you got house building. But now and we have fishing in South Lafouche. So I could remember when I grew up, either the oil field was bad, the fishing was good. The fishing was bad, the oil field was, you know, just the opposite. Today they're both bad. So it, it, it becomes a problem, you know, and people just move. And I can tell you right now, they're going to redistrict, and I guarantee you my districts, it can't, it's going to go way further up than where it's at now. Sure. It's, so what do you do? That's a good question. You, 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 I guess you, you just try and do the best you can. I mean, look, look at Briscoe on the back row. They're leaving. Hopefully another helicopter company is gonna come in and pick that up. You know, I, I hope so. And uh, things are just not the same, uh, Ducey. Mr. Ducey. Mr. Gisclair. Oh, Mr. Gisclair. is on the other side of the family. On the other side of the family. That's what I was thinking. Have Ducey. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, you, well, I got it partially right. You know. <laughs> I can't argue I was wrong on that one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just, I've seen things get good. Things get, that's why you got to diversify. You know, like I said, look at the boat business. At one time, that was kicking. I mean, I worked for a boat company 23 years. Now, it's it's gradually fading out. Yeah. And as far as taxes, one supply boat, and I heard this from the assessor, one supply boat pays more taxes. Supply boat, utility boat, and you know there's a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Not as many as we used to have. Takes 200 houses to match with one supply boat paid wow. in wow. Think about that. That's incredible. That, that's a, that's true too. That's two hundred. You see these big subdivisions. Imagine two hundred houses to pay with one boat with pay. That's incredible. Now they they made money, but now it's just it's a different economy. Hopefully it'll come back. You know, because I've seen up and down, up and down. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Very good. I hate to see anybody leave, you know, and one thing I can tell you, all I got is a high school education. Go get your education, not just high school. If you can go to college, go. And uh, we got a lot of successful business people on this buyer that made plenty of money without an education. But that's a thing of the past. Yeah. I always tell the young people, the younger people, go get your education. You might not even use it. But there's one good thing about an education, you're never gonna lose it. They're never gonna take it from you. They can't take it from you. Yeah. Now I've seen some people, my daughter's one, went for criminal justice and she never, she worked a little while in the DA and that was it and she went to something else. Some people don't use it, but like you said, they can't take it away from you and you never lose it. We've got about three, four minutes left. So we, we see you at the meetings and we, you know, we, we see, uh, you know, all over the place, but tell us a little bit about what Daniel Lorraine likes to do when he's not in 
councilman mode. What are some of your hobbies? What do you like to do? Oh, I keep the house clean. I bought me a shrimp boat. That was probably the biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> but uh, we go mess around with that. And uh, I'm always doing something at the house, washing the house, a carport or something. Bring the, me and my wife, we go to the casinos a lot. Now, we don't spend plenty of money. We just like to go out and enjoy That's about the only thing we got in common, her and I. Yeah. We both like the casinos. We don't like to lose. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened a while back. Uh, last year, they had called her name. She won $1,000. And, uh, and then they had called five people. She was one of the winners. And then there was two other people that didn't come up to get them their winnings so they called two more names and one of them happened to be me hey now i think that was the first time husband and wife ever done something like that i needed it too because i was broke at that time <laughs> but 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 we did all right you know we we go just to get away and uh i like the grandkids we bring them you know to the park and there and all kind of thing. i got the little granddaughter goes pre-k i go get her most of the time bring her get her in la rose and uh the little boy just made one year old, man, he had a ball. And, uh, it, you know, he has the two grandkids I got. Of course, you know, I lost one daughter. But uh, and then I got the other daughter, got two kids. So we, I deal with that. Very good. I, I stay pretty busy, you know. You got and, to. And the problem is with all that is all some honeydews. You yeah. don't get paid. <laughs> you know, you, you, they don't pay you. I understand. And, uh, but, I mean, I, you know, I always got something to do. Well, my friend, I thank you so much for the time. And look, this is a true story. I want our listeners to understand this. I got with Mr. Lorraine at like 10 o'clock this morning. We're recording this at 2 o'clock today. Very accessible. Thank you so much for that. And uh, uh, keep up the good work, my friend. Anytime you need me for something, I guarantee you I made so many stories for the Gazette and the Comet. It's unbelievable. But uh, anyway, whatever I could do, I'll do it. Whoever I could help, I'll help. And we'll take it from there. Thank you so much, my friend. We thank Councilman Lorraine for his time and for a great interview. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you know, Councilman Lorraine is a guy that has been serving this parish for a long, long time. So as I told him when we were meeting him, if you're serving for that long, 10 terms, you got to be doing something right. So let's go ahead, catch a quick commercial break. When we get back, man, there's a lot to talk about. There's a Floyd Mayweather fight to talk about. The Los Angeles Lakers are out of the playoffs. James Harden, my guy, is injured. LSU baseball playing tonight. We'll break all that down and more. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com with some sports out of this break. So I want to do something a little bit different during this commercial break. I want to thank all of our amazing teachers, all of our amazing uh, school officials and employees in our LaFouche Parish school system, and all of the people involved, our parents, our students, and everyone involved in allowing our last school year to be so successful. It has been amazing to see the things that have been going on in our schools through this extraordinary time in our world. Our teachers are unappreciated or underappreciated, and we can't thank you guys enough. So to our teachers, our administrators, our janitors, our school bus drivers, our students, our parents, our school board members, our school officials, everybody involved, kudos to you all. We tip our cap. At a time in our world where there was so much doubt and so much uncertainty, you pulled it off and you had a great year. Congratulations, LaFouche Schools. 
Jason Lorraine for his time. Um, look, what I what I said at the end of that last segment is 100% true. I reached out to Councilman Lorraine at 10 o'clock this morning. It is now 3:24. I'm just home from meeting with him at the library. As soon as I reached out, he called and was looking to set up a time to talk. Um, very, very responsive, and we thank him so very much for that. Um, you know, heck, if it wouldn't have been for me having to go to you know another appointment, I he would have stayed there and talked with me all day long. So we definitely appreciate him for that time. He's got just a wealth of stories, a wealth of local history. The guy has seen so much government in Lafouche Parish, and it was an honor to spend so much time with him throughout the day. But now we get into this segment here, and we're going to talk some sports, which is sort of our MO on the show. So let's dive right in. We've got, uh, oh my God, we've got so much to talk about. And I guess I'll start with what people are probably paying most attention to in Louisiana, which is the LSU baseball team. Um, finally finding a little bit of life. Um, the Tigers were sent to the Eugene, Oregon Regional. Didn't look like it was going to go so well early. Lose the first game to Gonzaga, just get stymied by that soft toss and pitcher that the Zags threw. And then, like, just something kind of changed a little bit for LSU. I don't know if it was just the, you know, settling into the regional, getting, you know, the plane legs out from under them after making the long trip across the country. Or maybe it was just the finality of, if we don't win, like our coach is going to be done because after playing that Friday game and really not having a whole lot of passion, not having a whole lot of life, the LSU baseball team has sort of found an extra gear. And look, I get it. In the loser's bracket game against Central Connecticut State, they didn't play very well, but they found a way. And then just kind of after getting that walk off, and then you get into Sunday, it's like the team just started to settle in. They play with more oomph against Gonzaga. They play with uh, a lot of fire and a lot of tenacity against Oregon. And look, as we head into this matchup, I don't know what's going to happen. Las Vegas thinks Oregon's going to win the game. They're pretty heavily favored. They're at home. LSU's used a lot of pitching. I don't know what, if anything, they have left. I don't know what the pitching plan for tonight is going to be. Um, but I know LSU's got depth on their roster that is probably going to exceed the depth of a Pac-12 opponent. And I know that Oregon is not anywhere near as good as Arkansas and Ole Miss and some of the other teams that LSU has seen this season. So, I don't know, man. I kind of like, kind of think that LSU has, has a puncher's chance, maybe even better than a puncher's chance to steal this one here. Um, and Coach Maneri talked about that before the regional even started, was – you know, hey, we, we come from the SEC. Ain't nothing these West Coast teams could show us that we haven't already seen. And I'm thinking the same thing last night as I'm watching the young LSU pitchers mow down Oregon's lineup, only allowing four hits and one run. Those were midweek guys. And I'm thinking to myself, like, if those guys would have thrown a conference game against Arkansas, against Tennessee, against whomever you want to choose, Mississippi State, any of the wonderful SEC programs that are hosting regionals, those guys would have given up runs aplenty. Uh, we saw that firsthand in SEC play. Those guys would have given up runs aplenty. That's the reason why LSU is not hosting a regional. That's the reason why LSU barely made the NCAA tournament was because they couldn't get through that SEC grind. But 
now they're out of that SEC grind and they're finding some prosperity and they're one of just 24 teams left. We opened up, you know, the the play in the NCAA tournament today with a bunch of uh, regional championship games and there's only 24 teams who still have a ball game left to play in their season. So that's something to be commended for. And look, whether you like pulmonary, whether you don't like pulmonary, I gave my opinions on the last show. I think that LSU's struggles this season are unacceptable. I think that if he had not made the decision to retire, it should have been considered for termination. If you look at his last four seasons, his win percentage is far lower than the four seasons of Smoke Laval's tenure. Far lower. Like Laval was 65% win percentage. Maneri's like in the 59-60% range. So I don't think that the struggling to make the NCAA tournament thing that the Tigers have been doing the last couple of years is acceptable. Uh, But with all of that aside, you have to be proud of the moxie and the guts and the the effort that the team is playing with this weekend. And that does matter. You know, they're showing that they want to rally around their coach and they want to get to a super regional and perhaps even give them one final run at the College World Series. That, to me, matters. And and I think that that's been wonderful to see. Uh, We certainly hope the Tigers could pull it off tonight. I don't know if they will or they won't. Uh, We're recording this still six hours from first pitch tonight at 9 o'clock. So we'll see how it goes. But just that effort and that little bit of fight that this team has shown has been kind of a, a, a punchless LSU baseball program in the last couple of years. But finally, in the last couple of nights, I've seen a little bit of that old juice back. And, and it's been great to see. And hopefully the Tigers could could carry it forward and you know get into the Super Regionals. And then from there, it's a best two out of three series. With I mean, Tennessee's a, a wrecking ball. That would be an uphill challenge as well. But you never know. You never know what might happen in baseball. Anybody could beat anybody else two out of three on any given day. So LSU is going to be playing tonight against Oregon, and we wish them the best. Another team that's going to be playing tonight are my Brooklyn Nets. And a lot of things have changed for my Brooklyn Nets and for the NBA as a whole in the last couple of days. Uh, In the early stages, the opening seconds of Game 1 of the Nets' second-round series with the Milwaukee Bucks, James Harden goes down with a hamstring. James Harden has been battling hamstring issues throughout the second half of the season. I'm the guy who went on record on this show and said that that series, the Nets and the Bucks, was going to be a preview of the NBA Finals, meaning that whoever won that series was going to be the team that was going to win it all. And then Harden comes up lame. And it looks like the whole landscape is going to change until it just doesn't change because... The Nets rally around it in game one, and they score a 115-107 to 107 victory against Milwaukee. Kevin Durant went crazy. Kyrie, well, you know what? I say that, and, and I'll kind of break this down. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving really didn't go crazy, which is more on that in just a second. But the Nets played well. They scored 115 points, uh, shot 47% from the field, and they get the game one win. Game two is tonight, and we'll see what adjustments are made both ways. But... Here's the reason why I think it's not panic time necessarily just yet for the Nets, even though Harden is down. The first is that it doesn't look like this is a severe injury for Harden. It's being described as a tight hamstring and not a pull or a strain or anything that is further re-aggravated from the injury that he had in the past. Looks like he was just having a bad day. And, you know, any of us who are getting older, 
know what that's like. I get out of bed sometimes. I could hardly move my back and my neck. It looked like he was just having a bad hamstring day, and it wasn't a re-furthering of his injury. They're expecting to get him back a little bit later in the series, maybe game three or game four. So that's excellent to hear. That's one reason why the Nets shouldn't be panicking yet. The second reason is that almost everything that they got in game one is not unsustainable offense. Kyrie Irving scored 25 points. He could do better than that. Kevin Durant scored 29 points. He could do better than that. Joe Harris got 19. He's probably not going to average 19 points in this series. Blake Griffin got 18. He's probably not going to average 18 in this series. But Landry Shamba didn't play well in the game. You didn't get anything, obviously, from Harden. Bruce Brown didn't overly play well in the game. And you're forgetting the Nets are going to be getting Jeff Green back. So they're going to be getting a huge piece to their puzzle back as well. That's now two guys that are out for Brooklyn. Um, Jeff Green is certainly going to be coming back in the next couple of games. So like, I think that Brooklyn, if they could just survive and not fall behind like 3-1 to one or something like that, just survive. Hey, let's just split the first four games 2-2 two to two, and then play them in a best-of-three series. I think that they'll really like the way that they're sitting in, in this series because their offense was not unsustainable. They were moving the ball beautifully, hitting shots, but it wasn't, you know, just quirky, um, out of the blue, uh, you know, crazy ass offense. It was guys that are shot makers and are playmakers that were making the shots. Joe Harris, if he's open in the corner, he ain't gonna miss. No matter what game it is, no matter where you are in the world, he ain't gonna miss. He's almost a fifty percent three point shooter. Uh, Blake Griffin hit a couple of shots. He's become a great shooter. Kyrie and Durant, as we said a second ago, didn't play great. They were four of fourteen from the three point line. Both guys shot below 50% from the field, and combined Durant and Kyrie only shot four free throws in the entire game. So that's the one thing is that, yeah, everybody wants to say, well, jeebers, the Nets can't repeat that performance again. I think they can. They only shot nine free throws. That number is going to go up. And the guys who scored are just going to continue to score. Like there's just limited means to take away the offense of a Durant or a Kyrie. You're not going to shut them down. They're going to get theirs, and I think Brooklyn's going to continue to score. Now, the challenge is this. The Bucks were were atrocious offensively in Game 1. They were 6 of 30 from the three-point line. They were 11 of 19 from the free-throw line. And so now the challenge from a Milwaukee perspective is going to be how do we get – a more diverse offense because look, Giannis went crazy. Giannis was 16 of 24, 34 points. He was, he was exceptional. Nobody else did a whole lot. And I think the reason why no one else did a whole lot is because their offense becomes very predictable. It becomes a lot of Giannis high pick and roll. Giannis, here's the ball go in isolation. Giannis, here's the ball in transition, go downhill. And they don't, or at least in game one, they didn't put their other guys in spots where they could succeed. The Bucks are going to have to get more than Giannis in this series if they want to beat Brooklyn Harden or not. And I, I that's the thing I'm going to be watching here tonight in Game 2 is how do they get Chris Middleton going? How do they get Drew Holiday better going? How do they find a couple of shots in the corner for P.J. Tucker? And do they convert some of those shots whenever they get them? So I, to me... That's still the most fascinating second-round matchup, and I say that because 
of my allegiances to heart. And there's no doubt I'm a little bit biased. But also from the perspective of I truly believe those are the two best teams in the NBA. Now, we're going to look at all the other matchups. Um, the 76ers might be in trouble. The Atlanta Hawks are pretty good. The Atlanta Hawks score. They're efficient. Trey Young is a superstar player. He's not scared of nothing. Doesn't matter if it's game six, game seven. They're down 3-1. They're up 3-1. He's going to go and give you 40. Um, so the Hawks went into Philly yesterday and put it on them. They lost by four. They were playing atrociously bad at the end of the game to kind of give back their big lead, but they held on. And that's the thing that Philly, like here's what Philadelphia needs to be worried about. And this is something I'm saying as an LSU graduate. Ben Simmons got to wake up. This is the NBA playoffs. How many times in these NBA playoffs have we seen guys take it Damian Lillard Take it, you know, uh, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, Trey Young, all of these guys who are giving Herculean performances going beyond their regular season means to help their team because it's postseason. That's what star players do. Whether it's the first game of the season, the 53rd game of the season, the 75th game of the season, or game seven of a playoff series, Ben Simmons is giving you 14 points. He's giving you eight assists. He ain't doing a damn thing beyond his stats. And that is maddening to me. Yesterday, Ben Simmons was seven of seven from the field for Philadelphia. 100% shooting for Philadelphia. The Hawks did not have an answer for Ben Simmons. But you count them off. One, two, three, four, five players on his team shot either the same amount of times as he did or more than he did. And Joel Embiid, their other star player, shot three times as many times as he did, 21 to Ben Simmons' seven. I get it. Ben Simmons is laid back. I get it. Ben Simmons is in the LeBron James camp of, hey, I'm going to be cool on Twitter and I'm going to be friends with everybody. Man the hell up. It's time to shoot the ball 15 times. It's time to shoot the ball 20 times. It's time to shoot the ball until the opponent proves that they could stop you from scoring. If you're 7 of 7 in a 48-minute NBA playoff game, then the next game, that better be 25 shots, baby. Prove that they, and you know, go ahead and go hard to the rim until they prove that they could stop you. And that's my gripe with Ben Simmons. That's always been my gripe with Ben Simmons, even dating back when he was at LSU. He doesn't have that killer gene of, hey, we need to go get a bucket. I want the ball. I'm going to get the bucket. It's no, I'm going to kick it to Tobias Harris. Go get the bucket for us. No, I'm going to kick it to Danny Green. Make the shot for us. Nah, bro, you're getting paid the max money. And I want to see Ben Simmons be more assertive because quite frankly, if he's not, then they're going to lose the series. They're going to lose the series because I know that Trey Young's going to keep scoring. I know that those Hawks guys are going to keep coming. If the 76ers don't change the gumbo recipe a little bit, they're going to continue to struggle. Now, some of the other matchups in the West, we've got Denver and Phoenix. Um, how could I break down Denver and Phoenix? I don't think either of these teams have even remotely a chance to win the NBA championship. I don't think Phoenix is diverse enough offensively to win the NBA championship. If they were to make it to the finals and they would face a team like the Nets, the Nets would run them miles out of the gym. They just can't score easily enough. Um, and Denver, 
the shame of Denver is that I think that Denver perhaps would have been the best team in the NBA if if Murray wouldn't have went down. Uh, they made the trade for Aaron Gordon, which I loved. I still love Aaron Gordon's been big for them in the playoffs. They got Jokic in the middle, uh, but then their big, you know, their their Gordon Murray goes down, and it really has limited their offense as well. And they struggled at times against Portland and. I don't think that either of those teams is going to be a big factor when when it's all said and done. I don't think either of those teams is a factor to win at all. And it's easy to say, oh, the Suns beat the Lakers. You know, you're not giving them enough respect or enough love, yada, yada. I, the Lakers are a dinosaur. I told you guys in the last episode the Lakers weren't a factor. Um, I got a lot of crap about that whenever that episode dropped, but I, those people ain't texting me anymore, are they? The Lakers are a dinosaur. LeBron James looked ancient in that series. He... Uh, and same thing, LeBron, now LeBron has an excuse to not have an extra gear because he's 36 years old, Ben Simmons is in his mid-20s, but LeBron James just doesn't physically have that extra gear to go get you 45, 50 points anymore, and with Anthony Davis out, it was just a wrap, you know, they just didn't have enough weaponry. The Lakers really screwed their roster. Um, the Lakers did a lot of box score management, and what I mean by that is, it's easy to watch a basketball game. And this is the gripe that I have with the Pelicans, too, by the way, is like people will tell me, oh, Brandon Ingram's a top 20 player because he scored 25 points. And like there are guys that get stats and there are guys that impact the game. The Lakers got rid of guys who impacted the game and got guys who get stats. Rajon Rondo helped the Lakers a lot. He was a second ball handler. He was a ball handler for the second unit when LeBron James was resting. He helped the Lakers a lot. Dwight Howard helped the Lakers a lot. He was a guy who was versatile. He helped defending pick and rolls and switches and everything of that sort. He helped the Lakers. He played a role. They got Dennis Schroeder, whose only concern in life is Dennis Schroeder getting buckets. And in the playoffs, when Dennis Schroeder stopped getting buckets, he was not helping the team at all. You got Mark Gasol, who's 70, can't help the team at all. You got um, Montrez Harrell, who again, good regular season guy. He'll get you buckets whenever everybody's hung over and you know they're playing their you know, third game in four nights and they spend a late night at the strip club. Yeah, Montres Harrell will help you in the regular season. He'll get you some offensive rebounds. He'll dunk. He'll hustle. He'll play hard during the NBA season when no one else is playing hard. But in the playoffs, when the effort and the intensity picks back up, it's a little bit of a different animal. So that's really what hurt the Lakers. And the Suns capitalized off of it. But as the rounds progress, they're not going to be able to further advance, I don't think, beyond maybe this series but I think whenever we get to the true cream of the crop and the true elites of the league the Suns are going to bow out but the other series to me in the West is the series that I think is is going to be the eventual champion it'll be the Clippers and the Jazz um the eventual champion of the Western Conference by the way because I still think the East is going to win it all um the 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 Jazz are favored by four points in game one the series starts tomorrow and this is like a real test for Utah um I saw this firsthand is, you know, the Jazz played the Rockets several times in the playoffs over the last couple of years. And again, me being the Harden guy, following those series very closely. 
Utah doesn't like to be guarded. They don't like to be touched. They don't like physical games. And one of the reasons why the Rockets always got over on the Jazz in those series was P.J. Tucker would beat the snot out of Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Tucker would get switched onto Mitchell and screens, and he would just throw him around like a rag doll. And it would throw Mitchell off of his game. And you know, James Harden guarding Rudy Gobert would do the same thing. He would just ragdoll him at times, and they don't like physicality. Well, guess what, Bubba? You know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and the Mars Twins, and if Patrick Beverly gets back in the rotation in this series, which I suspect that he will, them guys are going to throw you around a little bit. Rajon Rondo's now a clipper. Them guys are going to throw you around a little bit. And so I think the Jazz have a better team, but I think the Clippers have a tougher team. And if that toughness for the Clippers could allow them to steal a game or two and give the Jazz just a little bit of tightness and a little bit of feeling that pressure, I think the Clippers could maybe come out on top of this one. Because, look, they struggled against Dallas because... They were having such a hard time containing Luka Doncic. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, great player, ain't going to do the stuff Luka was doing. So I think that this is going to be, it's easy to write this off and say, oh, Jazz are going to win easy. I think this is going to be a very competitive, very rugged, very old style series where there's some physicality. There's not a ton of points being scored. It's not going to be a series where the game is 130 to 125. It's going to maybe be the first team to score 105 is going to win. And in those types of series, it's hard to beat the Clippers because that's the way Kawhi Leonard and them want to play. So to say that you're going to definitively beat them, you're going to have to beat them playing their game. And that's very, very difficult to do. But I'm excited. The NBA is wide open, man. I think the Nets are the best team. If Harden is healthy, I think they're unquestionably the best team. Um, but... No matter how you slice it, I can make an argument for any of these teams. And, and no matter who the champion's going to be, it's going to be someone who hasn't been a champion in more than 20 years, and more than 30 years. None of these teams have won the championship since the 80s. So I think it'll be great to see a little bit of new blood get crowned as their champion. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Floyd Mayweather fighting a YouTuber, uh, what is it, Logan Paul, uh, yesterday, Floyd Mayweather took on. I watched it. I didn't order it. I watched it. Um, couple of things. Um, as a boxing fan and as a Floyd Mayweather fan, I it 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 hurt the soul a little bit to see Floyd in the ring with Logan Paul. Hurt the soul for a couple of reasons. For the first reason, Floyd's better than that. He shouldn't need to do that. And if it's a situation where he needs the money, then shame on him because he's made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and he shouldn't need the money. So shame on him if he does. He shouldn't have been in the ring last night. That's the first point that kind of hurt my soul. The second point that kind of hurt a little bit was uh, that this is what people want. (laughs) There are... Dozens of elite level prize fighters, Canelo Alvarez, you know Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, whatever it may be. You know you could what whoever you've got everybody's got their own list. There are dozens of prize fighters, and there are hundreds more who are outside of that small core of a dozen on the periphery who are elite fighters, who are you know championship level fighters. 
and then outside of that 100 more, there are probably about 500 more solid fighters, guys who could be on a card, a pay-per-view card, in the middle of the card, whatever it may be, and they would headline, you know, a casino show, whatever it may be. <clears throat> the fact that those guys dedicate their entire life to the sport, to the craft, to the profession, and get really stinking good at it, but yet never hold the market of a booger-eating YouTuber like Logan Paul to generate this type of pay-per-view interest that breaks my heart a little bit because I know the hard work, the sweat, the tears that those people put in and to know that they're never going to get to that level. But this undeserving guy like Logan Paul will step in and make $50 million off of this fight or whatever it may be. That's a little bit disturbing is that this is what we the people want out of such a beautiful sport. The third takeaway from this is that, even though I may have just called him a booger eater a minute ago, the Logan Paul guy's got some guts now. Um, he was, look, I'm not going to say that he went the distance with Floyd Mayweather or whatever it may be. Floyd threw something like 85 or 90 punches in eight three-minute rounds. If Floyd would have wanted to throw, and look, there's a video on Twitter of Floyd hitting Logan with a flush shot, Logan's legs buckling, and Floyd literally holding him up so he didn't fall down. Like, if Floyd wanted to dismantle Logan Paul, Floyd wanted to knock Logan Paul out, he could and would have. But the kid's still kind of tough now. At the end of the eighth round, he was fatigued, he was winded, he was getting beat up a little bit, whatever it may be, but he was still coming for more. Uh, and that's something that not a lot of folks could do. That's something that Conor McGregor couldn't do. Uh, so I give him props and I give him his kudos for that. Is that, you know, he he kept coming. He kept coming. And, and, and you know, these guys are not, you know, he and his, his brother or whatever it may be. They're not professional fighters. They're not world-class fighters. But they're tough son of a guns. And, and, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. It's easy for the old, ornery, old man in me to say, oh, get off my lawn, give me a title fight. It's another thing for me to say that these types of things are going to be a thing of the past soon because they're not. We're going to see more of this. We're going to see far more of this. And at some point, boxing is going to have to deliver to compete with this. And, and boxing has no one to blame for this phenomenon than themselves. What we're seeing right now with Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather and Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield and all the talks and the, with these old guys and the legend fights and the celebrity fights. This is all a thing because the sport of boxing refused to give the fans for decades running the fights that they actually wanted to see. They, instead of giving the fans the prize fights and instead of making titles actually matter, they found every excuse in the world to have one guy duck another guy, have this guy fight this guy instead of the, the fight that fans wanted to see. So after decades of doing that, it's now a different world. And, and, and this new niche has formed. Boxing ain't going to give us entertainment. We're going to get entertainment in a different way. And, and the sport is going to have to adjust. It's going to have to adjust because this is going to continue to happen. A couple of headlines that people have asked me to touch on in this show... Before we wrap up, I'm going to do this very briefly. Um, 
John Rahm was in the lead big of his PGA Tour event this past weekend, had to withdraw from the tournament because he tested positive for COVID-19. People are up in arms. I don't feel sorry for John Rahm. I hope he gets well. I hope that he you know, gets through this without issue. He was asymptomatic at the time of his testing positive. Get your damn vaccine and you would have won the tournament and you would have made your million plus dollars, bro. Like, it's becoming frustrating at best to continue to have to write these updates every day and knowing that there's a way to not catch this virus and people are not utilizing it. 100%, of the hospitalized COVID patients in Region 3 are unvaccinated. So on the flip side of that, 100% of the vaccinated population in Region 3 are not in the hospital with COVID-19. To me, it's pretty simple, is that, you know, get the shot, deal with the side effects of which some people don't have any. It's sure better than having to have the stress and the strain of you being sick, your family perhaps being sick, and then somebody perhaps, God forbid, you know, maybe even dying. Uh, so, John Rom, get well. You should have got vaccinated, dude. And, and, you know, to everybody else, let that be a lesson. This isn't over. It's over for some, uh, but it's not over for others. And unfortunately, there there are lots of folks out there who have let petty reasons get in the way of, of protecting themselves and protecting their families. Alabama extended Nick Saban's contract today through the 2028 season, which would take him to when he's in his late 70s. Oh, dear God, I hope that he's not still coaching into his late 70s. Um, but look, Nick's going to be one of those guys. Uh, he's going to have to do this until he's unable physically to do it because he, he doesn't have any hobbies. He doesn't have any other side gigs. And when he stops, it's going to be bad for his health, probably mental and physical. So to hear that he's planning to coach deep into his life is not a surprise for me. Um and how do I think that this affects LSU? It doesn't, you know, that, that's the big trap that LSU fans always fall into is you look so far or so deeply into what other programs are doing, you lose sight of what's happening in your own. LSU needs to keep recruiting well, needs to keep hiring, or maybe not keep, but start hiring good assistant coaches and everything will take care of itself. You've proven in 2019 that you've got a recruiter at the top of your program and Coach O who's capable of building a roster better than theirs. Now it's just a matter of sustaining it, having coaches in place that are going to relate to these young men, and I think that LSU's well in the way, getting rid of some of the guys that they got rid of, including the offensive line coach who I would have fired at the end of the last regular season in, in James Craig, but that's another show, I guess, for another day. But Coach Saban's going to be around a while, and it's going to be up to the other programs in the sport to just kind of catch up and maintain and, and try to replicate the successes that they have had. We've ran long. We like to talk, baby. It's uh, been the Casey's Corner Podcast. We want to thank uh, Councilman Daniel Lorraine for his time. We're going to wrap up today's episode right here. 
Got some guests lined up for the future. We've got Marlon Favorite, who's going to be coming on with us. He's going to be a lot of fun to talk to. Can't wait to talk to Big Fave. Um, we're going to get some coaches. We're going to get some student athletes. We've got some big fish that we're trying to reel in. We're having a blast doing this. As I talked about in the last episode, um, this is not a chore anymore. It was a strain mentally for me to get through these. It's not anymore. We're having fun again, and we look forward to bringing you guys great content. So look, it's Monday. Do me a favor. I hope all of you guys do a couple of things for me. The first is a promotional thing. Find us on iTunes and subscribe. That's easy. You could do it on your phone. Go to the podcast library on your iPhone, type Casey's Corner, hit subscribe. Then from there, you don't have to do anything. It's all hands off from there. When we record a new episode, you're going to get a push alert. It's going to come straight to your phone. Um, It's going to be very easy. You'll be able to interact with us very easy through that way. The second thing that I want you guys to do in this week is not promotional. It has nothing to do with work at all. Have a great week, everybody. Like The weather is supposed to be okay be kind, be nice to people, try to be a little bit more patient. If you're a guy that comes home from work and you're tired and you wore out and you just sit on the chair and watch TV until you go to bed, maybe carve out 15, 20 minutes of your time and go throw the ball with your kid or your daughter. Maybe take your daughter to the park before the sun goes down. Try to do one good deed for somebody this week, man. Um, you know, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. And look, I'm trying myself. I'm trying to, to be nicer and more patient and more gentle and more calm and less negative and more positive thoughts and positive energy and all that good stuff. If we all pitch in just a little bit, we can make a big difference. So I hope you guys sincerely, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, have a great week. And last but certainly not least, it's June 7th today. On June 8th, it is going to be the birthday of my first nephew, Lennon. Lennon, I hope you have a great birthday, buddy. Love you so much. So that's going to be it for us today. Thanks to Councilman Lorraine. Thanks to you all for listening. And keep it on LaFoucheGazette.com. We so much appreciate you guys supporting our work. God bless everybody. Have a great week.